that happened. Our second reading this morning is the last of Acts chapter 28. We're coming to the end. No, we're, we will arrive at the end of this story uh, with this reading. I'm going to begin in verse 11 and read through verse uh, 20, uh, 31. Hear the word of God. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island of Malta, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Putioli, There we found brothers and sisters and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers and sisters there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to greet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews... And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Though I had no charge to, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are with regard to this sect we know that everywhere is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came uh, to him at his lodgings in greater number. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears. And understand with their hearts. And turn and I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you. That this salvation of God. Has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there. Two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray.
Father God, you are the creator of the universe and you are the God before time and after time. You are the God who has made us. You are the God who knows us. You're the God who sees us. You are the God who has commanded us to cast all of our cares upon you. You're the God who has commanded us to pray without ceasing. We thank you this day for uh, the luxury and the privilege of gathering here in this sanctuary in comfort and in safety, gathering as your people to uh, hear your word and to celebrate your sacrament. We thank you that we are one in the body of Christ. We thank you that we are united by the presence of the Holy Spirit in each one of us individually and in this room corporately. We do pray for our church. We pray that you continue to sustain and prosper the work of this ministry through this season of difficulty. We uh, thank you for the signs of growth and vitality that are emerging uh, once again in this congregation after uh, such a long time of, of difficulty and darkness. We thank you for the ministry of Fellowship Presbyterian Church and we pray that you continue to pour out your Holy Spirit upon that congregation and upon their leader, Pastor Bruno. We pray that you would build up that congregation and allow them to be a strong witness in the community that they serve. Lord, we pray now for Valley Christian School. There have been cases of COVID that have appeared in the school and we pray uh, for health and safety for uh, all of our staff and all of our families. We pray that uh, those who have been infected, that they might come uh, through that disease with colors flying. We pray that you would prevent uh, any new uh, infection. We pray that you would give us a, a spirit of confidence and a spirit of peace as, as we live with and deal with this consequence of the fallen world. We pray that in all things that you would be honored and glorified. Lord, we do pray for health in our families. We pray for uh, those who are suffering from mental illness, that you would be present to them, even in the cloudiness of their thinking and in the confusion of their spirit. We pray uh, that we would be healed from the diseases that plague us, but even as we suffer under these diseases, that we would have the hope of the resurrection and of eternity uh, with you. We thank you for those saints who have gone before us and who are present with you now in heaven. We rejoice with them as they are singing your praises this day. And we, we sing along with them and we join our voices with them. We pray for Peepaw who is suffering from cancer. We pray that you would uh, allow him to recover from that condition and we, that he would feel well and strong. We pray for those in his family who love him and uh, watch over him and care for him. I pray that you would give them confidence in you. Father God, you have uh, blessed us uh, beyond our knowing. Uh, you've blessed us more than we're perceptive of. Uh, I thank you for finding us and saving us in Jesus Christ. I thank you for uh, the prompting that brought us here this day. Lord, I pray for those who are still outside of the family of God, those who uh, have never heard your gospel. I pray that the word would come to them. And Lord, for those who have heard the gospel but not responded, uh, Lord, I pray that 
you continue to be merciful to them and be patient with them. I pray that uh, by your spirit and through your church, you would continue to call them into fellowship with yourself. Lord, I pray that many would be saved. Lord, I pray that we would not rest easy as long as there are those in our families and in our circles of acquaintance who don't know you yet as Lord and Savior. Lord, our work is not done until we proclaim the gospel to those who are near and dear to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would uh, that you would uh, whet our appetite uh, for evangelism and that you would make us restless uh, for those who teeter on the brink of eternity without you. Lord God, we honor you and we bless your name. We recognize that you are our maker. We are your creatures. We are pots that you've made. We are the sheep uh, of your pasture. Uh, and, and we thank you for uh, having called out to us in Jesus and allowed us to enter into a relationship of father and child. Lord, I pray this day that we would feel like your beloved children. I pray that we would sit under your gaze this morning and uh, have that confidence that comes from knowing that you love us and that you are concerned about us. Father God, as we preach your word this morning, I pray that uh, you would uh, do the work. Um, I pray that by the power of your spirit, uh, those who need to hear this morning, that they would hear. And I pray that you would guard uh, my lips from from misspeaking. I pray that you would make all of our hearts uh, receptive to what it is that you would have us know. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I really have two little uh, sermons that I want to offer this morning uh, before we uh, turn to uh, the Lord's table. I want to I want to talk about um, what's going on at the end of this book. We've we've come to the end of the Acts of the Apostles. It seems to end rather abruptly, uh, and I guess you also know that the Acts of the Apostles is actually the second book of of the Gospel of Luke. It's the same author, and it's kind of a, it's a two-volume work. And so we're actually at the end of a very interesting and long stretch of Scripture. And I want us uh, to uh, reflect on uh, what this ending means for us uh, as the church. And the second thing I want us to think about is the call narrative of the prophet Isaiah uh, in the end of... Uh, uh, of chapter 28 of the Acts of the Apostles, Paul is quoted, quoting um, the call narrative of the prophet Isaiah. This call narrative is actually referenced quite a number of times in the New Testament, at least four times, uh, or five times that I can identify. Um, and so I want to talk about why that comes up here. All right, those are the Two little things I would like us to talk about, uh, and then we will then we will turn then we'll turn to communion. So we are at the end of this two volume work called the Gospel of Luke and the Acts uh, of the Apostles, and uh, the, there is back in Acts chapter one verse eight. I don't know what they call this. It's not really the Great Commission. Um, it, it is kind of the Apostolic Commission. Uh, in Acts 1.8, you read these words. You, this is Jesus speaking to his apostles. You, the apostles, shall be 
witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, which is the neighborhood around Jerusalem, and Samaria, which is, you know, the kind of the, the, the cousins of the Jews who are a little north and who have half of the story right, and then to the ends of the earth. So there's a, there's a, a division here of how the, the witness of the gospel is going to go out. First to Jerusalem. That's the heart. That's the core. Uh, that's Mount Zion. And then to Ju- Judea, which would be uh, the realm of faithful Jews. And then to Samaria, who's the realm of maybe we'll call them unfaithful Jews or half-Jews. And then off to the ends of the earth, namely to the pagans. To all the people who don't know anything about Yahweh and, and have not been living in His light at all. In this story, uh, we have the day of Pentecost, we have the beginning of the preaching, we have preaching from uh, the Apostle Peter, uh, we have the story of the, the gospel going out into the neighborhood, we have been working through the three missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, where Paul begins to take this message, first into Turkey, okay, and then into Europe, okay, so Paul is our spiritual father. Those of us who come out of a European context, we have received the gospel uh, through Paul and through the descendants of Paul. And all of this is laid out for us there uh, in the Acts of the Apostles. And then there is this kind of uh, heart-rending and tragic story of Paul wanting to bless his people back in Jerusalem by bringing them a financial contribution. Times are hard in Jerusalem. He's been traveling uh, in other parts of the world and he's, he's been, he organized a very large collection of money and the money he then brings back to Jerusalem to offer, uh, to help the poor in that city. And the Jews in the city who've heard about Paul's preaching in the other places, who've been a little confused about what Paul is saying, uh, are very alarmed and they're worried that Paul has polluted the temple because he's, he's ritually unclean or maybe he brought a Gentile into the temple, which would be a terrible thing to do. Uh, and they're upset and they're so upset they, they just want, they want to kill him. I mean, they want to lynch him. All right. Right there in the street. They're going to, they're just going to murder this guy. They're so furious. And by the way, their fury has to do with their zeal for the temple. Their concern is that the temple not be polluted, and uh, they think that Paul has polluted the temple. Paul's life is only saved because of some pagans, all right, some Roman soldiers who see the disturbance going on and intervene, and that starts a whole series of of legal cases. And and so Paul is uh, first he makes a defense, uh, you know, in front of, in front of the Sanhedrin, and and then in front of a couple of Roman governors, and ultimately he gets he's not, he then gets sent to to Rome. All right, and then we have the dramatic story of the shipwreck, and somehow uh, he survives that shipwreck, and he's on the island of Malta, and now months later he's finally sailed uh, to Italy, and he's landed in Italy, and he's 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 walking toward Rome. I don't know how many people are in his company. It's a funny kind of thing to be doing to think about. So here he's got chains on him, right? So he's a prisoner. Uh, but how well organized the Roman Empire must have been. And he's traveling all of this distance to Rome uh, to meet the emperor, which I find extraordinary. Okay, I don't know what the equivalent uh, on the planet would be today. I guess the closest thing would be the president of the United States, although our president doesn't seem quite so... Mm, 
intimidating as the emperor of Rome. I mean, because, you know, President Biden, say what you want about him, he never throws any people to the lions. But the emperor of Rome, you know, would do crazy things like this. And so Paul is going to, is going, is, is going to Rome and he's actually going to have an audience with the emperor. What this should remind you of is of Moses having an audience with Pharaoh. All right? Pharaoh in his day was also the most powerful man on the planet. And God had an intention for the most powerful man on the planet to know about Yahweh. All right? Now, God's intention with, uh, with, with Pharaoh is, is that he, his heart would be hardened. He would not respond. He would not let the people go. He wouldn't comply. He wouldn't bend his knee to the one true God of heaven and earth. And he would be condemned for that. This is God's intention in having the word of Moses come to Pharaoh. And this is going to happen with Paul. Paul's going to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the most powerful man on earth, to the emperor in Rome, in a sense to a representative of all of the pagan nations in the world. He's going to hear the gospel and guess what? He will no longer have an excuse. Sometimes we worry about, you know, what about people who never heard the gospel? God actually has an answer to that question. But let me tell you, the emperor of Rome heard. And he rejected. Alright? Part of God's plan. In the same way the Pharaoh heard and rejected. And that was the end for them. And it'll be the end for Rome as well. Alright? Uh, the story, uh, comes down to these final words, and this is the part that I really want us to be very clear about. Verse 30 and 31, Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense, so he's rented a house in Rome, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So he's in... I don't know if he's wearing a chain every day. He's got a Roman guard. He's living in a rent. He's he's rented a house. He's in Rome. He's under guard. But he has all of this freedom. And people are coming and going. I mean, you know, so they're they're coming to him as some kind of chapel or uh, uh, some kind of synagogue, some kind of a teaching school. And who knows how many people have come come to Rome, come come to Paul during those during those two years. Now you'll recall that there are two other occasions where Paul has spent two years in planting a church in other places, okay? In Ephesus uh, and also in Corinth, okay? So there are these examples of Paul spending a very long time. He's not like Billy Graham who comes through town for one weekend and then moves on. He would come in, settle in with the people, get to know people, have a long conversation. I mean, it's a new religion. It's not like, it's not like, uh, 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 that there's information that's already available. Paul has to teach these people from the ground up. And so Paul is there for two years at the time of this writing. Alright, keep that in mind because there's stuff that happens after this writing. But at the time that Luke writes this thing down for his friend Theophilus, Paul's been there for two years holding court, apparently having a good time in his, in his, in his own house. Now if you want to know the rest of the story, part of it, um, uh, we, we just get through the tradition of the church. We know that Paul, well, 
the tradition tells us that Paul uh, was beheaded uh, in Rome uh, during the time of Nero. Nero would have uh, uh, been done as emperor in 58? 68. 58. In 58. 68. Thank you. It's good to have scholars in the room. Okay, in 68. So it's sometime before that point. That would be that would be the latest possible date. People think that maybe it happened in 64. This writing is probably in 62. And so Paul remains uh, uh, in the neighborhood for a little while after this. What's going to happen is, is that Paul will go speak to the emperor. And he will be released because there's n- there's nothing to work with here. There's no charge. There's, there's no reason for him to be executed. Now, he's going to be re-arrested later and then be executed after, for that one. All right, So he's going to get off on this one, but he'll be arrested later. And if you want a little flavor of what's going on with that, you need to read 2 Timothy. Because 2 Timothy uh, is a letter that Paul, Paul writes uh, <clears throat> while he's waiting for the execution. Okay, so he's being condemned, waiting for the execution. Okay, so in in a sense, this is kind of a heyday of Paul in the greatest city on the planet. He's free to speak to whomever he wants to speak to. At some point, he's going to actually get to speak to the emperor and proclaim the gospel to the emperor. And then he's going to be released. And he's going to go do some other stuff. Okay, we don't have a whole lot of uh, tracking of what he does uh, subsequently, but he he traveled to other places. We know because he uh, in Second Timothy he's asking for items to be returned to him, some manuscripts and some and a cloak that he had. All right, so that that's what's what's happening here. So the the question that we have to ask is why does Luke Acts end here? Why is it that the end of this story is the Apostle Paul under house arrest, you might say, but with the doors open, holding court, entertaining whoever wants to come, preaching the gospel to all kinds of people in this busy, busy center of the civilized world at that time? I think the answer is, is that it forms a bookend for what we saw at the beginning of the book in Acts 1, 8b. You, the apostles, shall be witnesses to me, Jesus, in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, The commissioning of the apostles and that story of how this is going to work out be, begins there at the book uh, at the beginning of the acts of the apostles and then we hear the unfolding of this and Paul there at the center of the empire for 2 years doing whatever he wants to do in a sense represents the fulfillment of the gospel being proclaimed by the apostles to the ends of the earth Paul is in Rome and Rome is at the, is at the center of the power of the world. Through Paul's Gentile ministry, the gospel, in a sense, has reached the end of the earth. Now, this is important to understand. Now, some, you know, in, in some sense, the work of the church is perpetually to be proclaiming the gospel to all the corners of the earth. I mean, there's... You know, some of the hardest corners for the gospel to reach right now are actually in Montgomery County. 
Okay, those of you who are worried about the lost in the world, they're actually in your neighborhood and they live on your block. All right, so so the 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 need for evangelism is is everywhere, but there is a once for all time accomplishment in Paul the thirteenth of the apostles bringing the message of Christ to the center of the empire where it is then able to radiate out in to the known world. Christ, through his apostles, laid a once-for-all-time foundation for the church. Okay, Paul's going to talk about this in Second Timothy. Uh, he talks about the deposit of faith that's been given to the apostles. We as Christians do not preach a new message. If you go to an institution that preaches a new message, it is not a church. Our job as the church is to preach the same old message that the apostles taught uh, definitively there in the first century. Okay, The apostles received the message from Christ. Christ did not write any of this down, but he taught it to the apostles. The apostles preached it to the world. We have it written down for us, and so we rely upon those scriptures, and it's that that's what the church continues to preach. Okay, We just continue. And so this commissioning of the apostles in Acts 1-8 is in some sense accomplished by Paul's residency there in uh, in Rome. Now, uh, so I think that's what's happening. There's, there's a bookend here. You, you've got the assignment and you have the completion of the assignment. Everything that in a sense happens after uh, uh, Luke Acts uh, you know, you're now into church history. You're into the into the church fathers. You're into uh, into another generation. And of course, there are other generations. You know, the people that Paul taught then then taught other other people who became Christians. And so it begins uh, a, a family lineage that reaches down to us. Every one of us is a Christian today because of the events that we read about in the Acts of the Apostles. Okay, Paul taught somebody, and that somebody taught somebody, and you go through the little lineage, and you finally get to the person who taught your grandmother, who taught you. Okay, you could make a family tree, and it would reach back to the Apostle Paul. Now, those of you who are from India, you would have a different lineage. Okay, or if you're from Ethiopia, a different lineage. Okay, but those of us who come out of that European context, we can all trace uh, the ancestry of our faith uh, to the events that have been been described here. And in a sense, uh, the writer uh, of of Luke Acts is is done with his story because what Jesus had uh, assigned the apostles to do has been accomplished. It's not the end of the story of the church. The story of the church keeps going on in every generation. And it's, I think it's good for us to keep telling the story of the history of the church through subsequent generations. I think it's important for us here in this congregation to be able to tell the history of the witness of this church through, I don't know, 160 years or that we've been here on the same spot on the side of this, this, this road here, which used to be a toll road. All right. We have the history of Fellowship Presbyterian Church. Started 10 years ago. It's now beginning to bloom in this context here. That's part of the history of God's work uh, in, in the universal church, but it's also our history here locally. All right, that's all I want to say about that. I want to take a look at uh, the Isaiah uh, 6 passage. So Paul, 
in Rome uh, is settled into his apartment or to his house that he's renting, and he calls for uh, the leaders of the of the synagogue to to come to him to the, lead, the Jewish leaders to talk to them about about Jesus. Um, Paul, of course, is a Jew. Uh, his belief in Jesus Christ uh, is based upon the law and the prophets. Um, Paul also met the met the resurrected Jesus, and he brings he brings these men in to speak with him. And we read in verse twenty four: some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. All right. It's important to recognize that many of the early Christians uh, were Jewish. I mean, obviously, initially they were all Jewish. But even in even in a pagan city like Rome, many of the believers are going to be Jewish uh, to be Jewish people. And so Paul has appealed to them, and some of them get the message, and others don't. And then Paul quotes the prophet Isaiah. Um, I don't know if you caught what's being said here, uh, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will see but never perceive. So he's quoting Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, we have the call narrative of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah gets a vision of heaven. God in heaven speaks to him and says, who is going to, who's going to, Who's going to bring the message? Whom will I send? All right, and 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 Isaiah says, "Okay, you can send me. Send me." All right. This little phrase is often, by the way, preached uh, in Presbyterian ordination services because people who are called to the to the pulpit ministry have often had that experience of hearing from God. Who am I going to send to those people? In Montgomery County, in Philadelphia County, who am I going to send? And somebody raises their hand and says, you can send me. All right? Now here's the horrible part of the prophecy. What's the message you want me to say? Oh, the message is, speak to these people, but I'm going to stop up their ears. Uh, Give them the message, but they're going to be blind to the message. Why? So that they may be condemned. Horrible. Remind yourself of what happened with Pharaoh. God hardens Pharaoh's heart, brings the truth to him. Greatest prophet, Moses, speaks directly to Pharaoh, does all kinds of signs and wonders. And Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and because his heart is hardened, because he's heard the good news, because he's heard the the message because he's been offered the opportunity. Here, you can become a follower of Yahweh. You can do it. It's available to you. Heart is hard and God in his righteousness will judge him. Okay? Now, the part that we didn't read in Isaiah chapter 6 does have a word of hope uh, where God says that, you know, there will always be this remnant. There's going to be a winnowing that goes on. There are times that come to the people of God where there is a separating of the chaff and the wheat. And it's often accompanied by the message being proclaimed very clearly. And it's simply bouncing off of some people. 
It's the strangest thing, you know, in preaching. I preach the same message and everybody in the room hears it differently. For some of you, it bounces off. For others of you, it, it, it takes root. That's the work of God. That's not the work of the, of the pastor. All right? But God uses His Word to separate out those whom He will keep for Himself. All right? God uses His Word to separate out those whom He will keep. He always has. God has always had a peculiar people who were His treasure... And he has guarded them and he has winnowed them by the proclamation of the word. So here's Paul in Rome proclaiming this word. And some get it and some don't get it. And Paul says, yeah, well, this is exactly what happened in in Isaiah's time. Isaiah's time as well. Now, I want to just uh, speak very, very briefly about the relationship between Jews and Christians. There have, have been times in the history of the church when the church has been anti-Semitic. Okay. There have been times in the history of the church when the church has persecuted Jews because of their Jewishness. There's a real problem with this. Uh, in, in a couple of ways. Um, one is, is that the promises that were made to Abraham remain in force and God will bless those who bless the descendants of Abraham and he will curse those who curse the descendants of Abraham. That remains in force today. Okay? That promise, God's promises never go away. And so there remains an imperative for the church to recognize that national Israel, the people of Israel as a nation, still have a place within God's prophetic purposes. God is not done with the Jews. Okay, It isn't that all of a sudden the church comes along and the Jews are cast to the curb. No. The Jews remain part of God's plan and that's unfolding and God has work that he's going to be doing with them and that's his business with them. Okay, And so we ne- we do not want to be on the wrong side of God when it comes uh, to, to uh, uh, Jews. The other thing uh, that we, I think we need to recognize as the, as, as the church is, is that the church is like deeply Jewish. Okay, it is our ancestry and our lineage. We are the ones who were grafted into Abraham, not the other way around. All right. Okay. If if you if you are if you're not a Semitic person and you happen to be a, a, a worshiper of Yahweh, it's because you've been grafted into that root. All right. Um, and through the centuries, many people who are ethnically Jewish have been. Have been, have been incorporated into the life of the church. And I think what happens to those people over time is they become invisible. They're no longer marked as Jews, but we are a very Jewish organization. Okay. So anti-Semitism for Christians is actually a kind of suicidal self-loathing. 
Okay, we need to be really careful about that too. Okay, we don't don't want to go down down that path. So one is we don't we don't want to we don't want to cross swords with God who will defend uh, national Israel to the end of time until God has accomplished His purposes for them. And we also don't want to hate ourselves because these are our own people. Okay, they're the people who've adopted us, and they happen to be our blood kin too. They're all around us, and they're 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 part, they're part of the family. Let's pray, Father God. We thank you. Uh, for the Apostle Paul. And I thank you for Brother Luke uh, for going along with Paul on this journey to Rome and uh, providing this uh, uh, this eyewitness account of the things that have happened. Lord, I pray that we uh, be kept inside of your will and in your way. I pray that you keep our ears open to your gospel. I pray that our hearts will be soft to what it is that uh, you're calling us to do this day. And I do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us confess.